Hi, I'm Sydney. And I'm Rueda. We're the new co-hosts for the Daily's News podcast, The Wrap-Up. Join us every Friday where we'll give you a wrap-up of our favorite news stories from the week. Plus fun trivia and exclusive interviews. See you on Friday. Bye. Bye. Peace. Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Box Seat Podcast. I'm Josh Hetty. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Monday, February 3rd, and we'll give you guys a weekend rapid-fire review, breaking down Auburn's big win over Kentucky, Cole Anthony's return, we will be joined by Luca Kuchan on the newest edition of Meet the Writers. Mm-hmm. And to get started today, we're going to do the rapid-fire recap. This is where me and Josh go back-to-back about the weekend's events, what happened this week in college basketball. Uh, so let's get right started. The Musketeers pick up a huge road win over Seton Hall, with Tyreek Jones contributing 19 points, 18 rebounds, and 4 blocks. Nobody told the Pirates this was an 11 a.m. tip as they took a sluggish start to lose their first Big East game of the season. And in this game, Miles Powell, he only went 3 of 14 from the field, and Seton Hall never really looked ready to play in this one. Gonzaga avoids a scare in the Bay without Killian Tilly. The Zags overcome a second-half deficit to rally on over San Francisco by just four points. Possibly the deepest team in the country, freshman Philip Petrusev for Gonzaga was able to fill in for Tilly and put up a game-high 23 points. Rock Chalk Jayhawk prevails a hard-fought battle in the, in the fog with Devon Dotson coming up with timely buckets to get the W over a scrappy Texas Tech squad. Kansas, This Kansas team is very good at winning close games, which bodes well for March. After falling behind at the half, San Diego State cruised to a 12-point victory over challenger Utah State. Matt Mitchell, KJ Feegan, and Malachi Flynn came up with a combined 58 points for the Aztecs. I know we said this a few weeks ago that no team will be undefeated this season, but this Aztec team has a real shot at proving us wrong after another conference win. Florida State gets a much-needed bounce-back win at Virginia Tech. The Seminoles have always learned, leaned on their depth, but may have found their guy in Devin Vassell, who dropped 27 points and has been averaging 19 points over his past six games. The sophomore guard, Vassell, is on a serious roll this season. We will see if he can continue his success tonight against my Tar Heels. It was a bad day to be ranked in the Big East, as Villanova, Seton Hall, and Butler all lose at home. Creighton, Xavier, and Providence all came up with huge resume boosters early Saturday morning. The Big East is probably the strongest it's been since the conference realigned in 2013. The Auburn Tigers lived at the line and won at the line by winning over Kentucky behind 44 free throw attempts. This was a huge win for Bruce Pearl and his boys on their quest to reach back-to-back Final Fours. In this one, Samir Doughty scored 23 points as Auburn continues to prove themselves in the SEC. After losing both Brad Davison and Kobe King, the Wisconsin faithful rally around their team to lift the Badgers of the Spartans for their third-ranked win of the season. And Xavier Tillman from Michigan State, he missed about five wide-open layups in this game, which was a devastating loss for Michigan State to a beat-up Wisconsin team. The Cardinal are proving to be a legitimate threat to win the Pac-12 with a win over Oregon on the farm. Oscar De Silva came up huge with 27-15 and 15 and has at least 20 in three of his past four games. This Stanford team is the surprise of the conference and maybe the country. Jared Haas has a Roy Williams disciple 
could win Coach of the Year. After losing to UCLA on Thursday, the Buffs make all the necessary adjustments to absolutely slaughter a surging USC team by 21 in Los Angeles. Colorado, to me, has been the most impressive team in the Pac-12. When they play well, they can and should be beating everyone. Tulsa's dream season rolls along with an upset over Wichita State thanks to Elijah Joyner's nail-biting buzzer beater. The Golden Hurricane are 7-1 and currently first in the American. And we have a Frank Haith sighting as he has quietly built up the program at Tulsa. All right, what a what a good Saturday. What a good weekend for sports. I mean, Saturday was just college basketball all day from 9 a.m. to when I went to bed for the most part. Like, the earliest game was the Seton Hall losing to uh, Xavier, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then the end of the, the nightcap was, I mean, USC, Colorado, which wasn't that good of a game, but it was a high-profile game coming in. And then, um, and then the San Diego State Utah State was was also a pretty good game. So yeah. the, all all day through there was just game after game, yep. and, and they were all kind of standalone, which was nice. There wasn't a lot of overlap, so mm-hmm. very exciting. And then of course yesterday we had the Super Bowl. Congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs for for getting the dub. That was that was definitely a fun. Now it's college game. basketball. Season, now now right? it is college basketball. We can season. finally move on from football. Yeah, that was. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big Super Bowl guy, but that was one of the best weekends of sports in. Uh, in a long time for me. I mean, yeah. March Madness, the first weekend is always, always awesome. That that's yeah. that's always. I the think king. that's the pinnacle for me. Exactly. Also. Yeah, that's that's the best. the The first weekend that college football comes back after a long summer is always fun. Uh, but yeah, besides that, man, I don't know. Like first weekend of NBA playoffs maybe is always fun. But yeah. for the most part, man, that's like that was up there. That was a really good college basketball slate, followed by Super Bowl Sunday and. Yeah, I don't know. I can't complain about it too much. Yeah, there were a lot of good games on Saturday. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about the Kentucky versus Auburn game. Mm-hmm. Uh, two ranked opponents in the SEC going head-to-head. Auburn, they're my team. I've been kind of rooting for them all year. They have a lot of good guard play. Um, Kentucky, on the other hand, still kind of growing. They're still kind of meshing together as a team. They have a ton of talented freshmen, but we really haven't seen them come together yet. But... This game against Auburn was a huge opportunity for both teams to kind of show what they got. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when you first came out saying Auburn was like your team to watch, your kind of sneaky, underrated team. I was like, all right, like, I mean, I don't think they're gonna be that good. But this was a huge win for Auburn. I, I'm I'm starting to believe a lot more that this is a legitimate threat to uh, at least make an elite eight uh, again. I'm not sure if they're quite Final Four caliber, which which is a very tough billing. But they're, I mean, they have all the makings to be that. Like In theory, I mean, we don't know what's going to go on this year. It's, it's been so crazy at the top. And what what's kind of surprising to me, sorry to cut you off. No, go for it. Last year, they were under the radar throughout pretty much the whole tournament, especially going into it. And I think this year, even though they made such a deep run last year, I still think they're in a very similar position. Mm-hmm. Somehow, I still think they're under the radar. And Bruce Pearl, I think that's the way that his guys like it. They like to be doubted. And I think that gives them more of an advantage when they actually step on the court. They do have a guy named Samir Doughty, so made like the doubts uh, coming in a little bit. Uh, good one, <laughs> good one. <laughs> but I mean, the thing about this Auburn team is, last year they really lived and died by the three. As far as they, they were. I mean, they're kind of like almost a havoc type offense where they just kind of threw caution at the wayside and jacked up threes, and usually would work more times than not. That's kind of what propelled them to that Final Four run, but and almost to the national championship game. But this year, they, they do put up a lot of threes, but they, and it wasn't just this game, but all season they've been getting to the line. That's how they do it. They draw fouls, they get in the lane, 
And while they may not be the best free throw shooting team, when you get that many attempts, they're going to convert a lot of points to the line. And, I mean, this game was a prime example. They got to the line 44 times. They shot 44 free throws. I think they only made, like, 35 or 33 of them, something like that. That's ridiculous. But that's that was, like, almost half their points came at the free throw line, hmm. which is so crazy. Samir Dowdy was, I think, perfect 14 for 14 or 14 for 15, something like that. He was awesome at the free throw line. That's That was where most of his points came from. I think he had, like, 26, and, and most of them were at the free throw line. So, that yeah, that was definitely a good kind of team win. No one really stole the show for Auburn. Yeah. All, four starters were in double figures. Shout out Daniel Purifoy. He hit just three after three. That was clutch mm-hmm. every single time. He was three for six from deep. And, uh, yeah, he just came up with big plays when they needed it. And this was a good, really good win against a really good Kentucky team that I think mm-hmm. they kind of proved some of the Auburn doubters wrong. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts about this Auburn team is they just have four or five guys, like you said, four starters and double figures. They have four or five guys that can beat you on any given night. And it doesn't really matter who's taking the final shot for them. They have a couple guys with some clutch genes. Obviously, Samir Doughty, he's mm-hmm. kind of the star on this team. But Isaac Okoro down the stretch. Yeah, he really impressed me in that game. He had a big three. He had another big drive and kick um, for an easy dunk. Along with Okoro, Austin Wiley, too. Mm-hmm. Get grabbing boards, getting good putbacks, kind of banging down low. Wiley's a man down there for rebounding. My God, he might not have the size, but, man, he's got the heart and he's got – He's got the skill set to get those rebounds. And down the stretch, he kind of dominated Nick Richards, who's a lot bigger than him, a lot longer than him. But Wiley's kind of able to kind of just, you know, bang down low and get good rebounds, and I think that's one of the best parts of about his game. Yeah, no, that that was, you said the Richards thing. I thought Auburn, that was going to be a big problem for Auburn coming into this game, trying to find a guy to check Nick Richards, because they don't really have the size down low as far as w- with height concern. But, I mean... They did a great job. Austin Wiley was great on Richards. I think Richards only finished with seven points. He was three for eight. They, I mean, they were just – that was what I thought was going to be the the what Kentucky would lean on, and they hardly went to him mm-hmm. because Auburn's defense was so good down low. And that's and that, that, that was probably the thing that impressed me the most about this Auburn team in this game where I knew they were going to get a lot of offense. I knew they were going to jack up some, some threes, get to the line, stuff like that. But – if they could stop Nick Richards, they would have a chance to win that game, and they did stop him. Yeah, and this was one of those games where I was actually pretty impressed with Kentucky, too, watching them. Yeah. Obviously, Nick Richards didn't have the best game of his life. Um, he will have better days. He's a pretty talented guy. And but they do play again in a, in a few weeks. Okay, yeah, and so Kentucky will have another chance. Yeah, at Rupp. But the Kentucky guards were what really impressed me about the Kentucky team. Tyrese Maxey, we have been hard on him in the past, <laughs> um, mostly you. Yeah, me, me more than others. But he really stepped up, I think, in this game. This was a game where Kentucky was able just to stay within striking distance uh, against Auburn, mainly due to the guard play. Emmanuel quickly was able to pull up mid-range game, pretty strong. Tyrese Maxey was able to hit open threes, which is what you need. Um, and Kentucky, it was he, they kind of made this a back-and-forth game, I think, those two guys. Yeah, the the Maxey thing, like you said, with me is uh, he he's... I think he's a good college player. He's very inconsistent, and part of the reason why I'm like I don't like him as much is because I was pretty high in Michigan State coming into the year, and he kind of dismantled them in that first game in the Champions Classic. And then I was maybe a little my feelings on that one because I <laughs> my my prediction was not looking so hot, which I mean that's that's a dumb reason, whatever. But then throughout the season, oh, I, I'm the same way. Like, yeah. If somebody will play well against Carolina, I I have some ill feelings towards them. I'm the same exact. Thing. But yeah, so then going into this game is, 
I don't know, I was kind of pulling for Auburn a little bit, and then to see him just coming up big time, I was like, this would be very poetic if he just ripped my heart <laughs> out once again. So I definitely, uh, yeah, but, I mean, I'll give him props because he was awesome in that game. Him and him and Quickly both are just, like, then when they get in the lane, they can kind of just throw up stuff, and they, like, just kind of throw it off the glass, yeah. and it works. Like, they, mm-hmm. they always kind of convert it, and uh, I will say Hagen's had a really tough game in this one. So mm-hmm. if you are a Kentucky fan, you can come out of this game saying, Hagen's had a really bad game. He I mean, he was in foul trouble. He only played yeah. 20 minutes in this game. So he picked up some dumb fouls. And Nick Richards played 38 minutes and only shot the ball eight times. Like, that's – he was also kind yeah. of in foul trouble towards the end. But mm-hmm. not really yeah, – like I said, but Auburn drawing the fouls, you had guys like Quickly and Hagens both fouled out. Hagens was actually like five minutes left of the game. He fouled out. And, he yeah, like I said, he played 20 minutes. E.J. Montgomery was in foul trouble the whole game. He only played 17 minutes. So if you're a Kentucky fan, knowing that – all right, we lost this one. We're yeah. going to rup in a few weeks' time, yeah. and then we'll have another chance to mm-hmm. get this win back. There's there's reason for optimism if you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan because watching this game, it, it was it was a highly competitive game. Yeah. I think both of these teams are built for March, and they're only going to get better in the coming months. So just after watching this one game from Kentucky, I would I would put them, you know, Sweet 16, maybe yeah. Elite 8. Yeah, I just feel like, I mean, just watching them, I feel like they're still missing a guy. Like, there's some guy that's hurt that's like, should be on the team that's better, like, mm-hmm. just because I'm used to that with Kentucky teams where yeah. they have, like, the number, like, the one guy who's really good can take over the game and is going to be a guaranteed lottery pick. Well, I think EJ Montgomery, if he could be yeah more like PJ Montgomery. <laughs> PJ Washington. PJ Washington, <laughs> yeah. that's the one. I, I, it was too perfect. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, if EJ could be more like PJ, then I think that could be the thing that puts Kentucky over the edge because PJ Washington was able to hit threes, was able to get big buckets for that Kentucky team. So you're right, I think. They need one more player to really step up. We'll see. Yeah, I, I'm, I've am i come around a little bit on this Kentucky team. I'm still not uh, writing them off or anything after that game. It was just, I think that, was just, that game was more about Auburn than it was mm-hmm. Kentucky, and especially Kentucky with the fouls. Like, you can't really do much there when there's that much going against you. Yeah, if you're going to the line 44 times, that's a ridiculous yeah. number. It's kind of tough to win. <laughs> and all your guys are in foul trouble. It is very difficult. Yeah. All right, moving on now. I think this game was maybe at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, but the Cole Anthony return game, you're the big Tar Heel fan. We'll just kind of read off his stats, and then I'll, I'll hand the reins over to Go you. But it. Cole Anthony, he actually came off the bench in this one, but still played 26 minutes, scored 26 points. Uh, you could do the math on how many points per minute. And 14 of those points came at the free throw line. He, I think he was the one that was a perfect 14 for 14 from the free throw yeah. line. But he wasn't particularly impressive outside of that. He did come up short on the uh, on the game winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, so what are your thoughts on the, on the Cole Anthony performance? Uh, just talking about the Cole Anthony performance, yeah. and then we'll talk about the end of the game. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, starting with the performance and starting with the playing time that he got, Roy Williams, he's not a coach who likes to give, you know, especially coming off an injury like that where he's out for a couple months, 26 minutes is a lot. That's a lot of game time to play, and Roy really doesn't really like to play people that much, especially coming off an injury. But it was a matter of necessity in this game because without him, we would have been nowhere near Boston College, which is crazy to say because they have the same record. I think they had a worse record than us going into the game. Not <laughs> anymore. But That's Cole tough Anth- to do against Carolina. <laughs> I know, and he really kept us in that game. His stats are a little bit deceiving, you know, because he did have 26 points on 35% shooting from the field, but, you know, he really carried us the last five minutes, and I think that's why he got that 26 minutes of play because mm-hmm. we needed him in the game the last five minutes he had to be on the court 
um, if we had any chance of staying within striking distance. So I think that's why the 26 minutes were played, just out of necessity. I thought he played well. I was actually impressed. It was good to see him back on the court, yeah. you know, scoring. You know, he's a, he's a shooter and he's a scorer. And I think his field goal percentage was, was low. He did miss a lot of shots, but just to see him put the ball in the basket was a welcome sign, especially with all the hype surrounding his his debut. It was good yeah. to see. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit last week about we knew he was close. We weren't sure if we get, we're going to see him in this game or the game that's going to be tonight, the Florida State game. And we both kind of agreed it would be better to see him in Boston College get a game under his under his feet, and uh, especially at home against a team like Boston College, which at the time we thought he would still be with a, with a Cole Anthony mm-hmm. that's still kind of finding finding stuff out in his first game back. And, and then you'd have him more prepared for this Florida State game, yeah. which is a more important game for the, mm-hmm. for the heels. And the problem that lots of people are, happening, or are having rather with Cole Anthony is UNC had just kind of learned how to play without him. We had mm-hmm. two wins in a row. Things were looking up. We were playing a weaker Boston College team. And that's why this loss was just so demoralizing because it was a close game the whole way through. We should have won the game. Cole Anthony missed the last shot. So it looks really bad on him because we had won two in a row and he had just come back and he was kind of the factor in the loss. Mm-hmm. But it does take a while. Now that he's back, we're going to have to learn to play with him. We had just learned to play without him, but now we have to learn to play with him. So we really have to change our styles. And it's kind of a tough thing to do in the middle of the season. Especially, especially when you're so desperate for wins. When you're so desperate for wins, you really need to have that team congruity. And we just don't really have that right now. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about you should have won this game, and a big reason why you didn't win was the foul call on Brandon Robinson down Oof. the stretch. Which, so UNC is up one with I don't know, like twenty seconds left or something, even less. And Boston College is trying to get a shot, and they throw up a three. I forget who the guy was that shot the three. Um, it was Jared Hamilton, and so he kind of kicked his legs out a little bit, and Robinson actually avoided him pretty well, and he got his hand. After the ball was already gone, yeah. Which I mean, by definition, you can't touch the shooter. Mm-hmm. But if you, hands part of the ball, I thought that we that's always a thing. Every time you play pickup, hands part of the ball, and especially if it's after the shots mm-hmm. goes off, it's like, what are you, like, is that really gonna hurt a guy if you hit his hand and then no, he lands not gonna, on his feet? It's not gonna affect his shot at all. I think the bigger thing was that's just the way the season has gone for the yeah. heels this year <laughs> it wasn't really a huge deal to me because we have had such bad luck and we did have a chance to win it so it was a hu- a crucial call to make and I'm not sure if I would make the call if I was in that position but I'm not completely mad at it you know it still it still was borderline to me mm-hmm. yeah it's one of those games where you probably should have put Boston College away right earlier right and if they're that close at the yeah. end of the game anything can happen yeah that's why you gotta get it done earlier but like i said tonight's the big one uh at, at florida state so you gotta go to, to tallahassee mm-hmm. it's a very tough team very tough place to play but if cole anthony can have a good game you guys have a chance in this one that's uh we'll see and, and i think if you win the one tonight then the this one doesn't really it, it minimizes the harm of yeah. losing to boston college yeah that boston college loss though that might have been that might have been the nail in the coffin yeah i for mean the tournament hopes because I, I saw something <laughs> we now have five quadrant three losses which That's is a lot good. against yeah. pretty poor teams. We've lost to kind of the gutters of the ACC, Pittsburgh, Boston College, um, Virginia Tech. Clemson. Clemson. Oh, don't remind <laughs> me. So those losses are kind of tough to rebound from, especially if you're trying to make the tournament. You can't yeah. have that. Yeah, but, again, you got a lot of big opportunities up ahead. I do True. think 
you're on your your ninth live above nine if you were a cat team yeah, maybe but definitely uh, we'll, we'll see all right we'll get into a little more of the surprising team of this yes some of the surprising teams of this year good and bad uh shocker north carolina might be a bad surprise mm-hmm. uh but i'll start with the good I'll start on a high note uh tulsa right i mean i'm not gonna sit here and say i've watched tulsa play because i haven't <laughs> but they're like they're first in the american which is probably the seventh best conference in in the nation uh so shout out to them i didn't even know their mascot was the golden hurricane until a couple days ago what is that what is a golden hurricane i don't know what does that look like uh, i don't know their their logo is just like a flag huh so i don't know so shout out tulsa they actually had a huge win over wichita state hit a buzzer beating three so shout out them baylor for obvious reasons they're number one in the nation um good surprise maybe not because we thought they'd be bad but we didn't think they'd be this good uh, West Virginia, they were a team that went four and fourteen last year, and they were last in the Big Ten, and now they're right up there at the top, and or not Big Ten, sorry, Big Twelve. Uh, they were tenth in the Big Twelve, the last place, whatever we went over. Uh, the semantics of conferences last week, but so West Virginia is looking pretty good. Stanford, we talked about them a little bit at, at the front, and they're they're one of the top teams in the Pac-12, kind of out of nowhere. Rutgers, the last time they made the tournament was 1991. How about that? I'm not even sure what conference they were in at that point, but shout out Rutgers. Looks like they're going to make the tournament this year. Uh, San Diego State, they are obviously a big surprise. They're undefeated. They're rolling. Got a big one every Utah State. And then Dayton, Auburn, LSU, a bunch of teams in the top 20 that mm-hmm. are um, really looking pretty good. And we didn't think they'd be this high coming into this year. Maybe you with Auburn, but yeah. me not so much. Yeah, and a note, you mentioned Stanford. I think they're the biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, them and Baylor. Baylor's also sitting at number one. They're yeah, just still. they're just chilling there. That one loss to uh, who, who is it again? <laughs> who beat them? Uh, That's been a really good uh, team. That team beat. from the Northwest. Yeah, is, uh, who could be gold. the only team that beat them? <laughs> uh, everybody in the Pac-12. <laughs> to answer your question, um, but Stanford to me as well. They're sitting at sixteen and five yeah. right now. Really good record. Twelve and two record at home. I don't know how they're not ranked. Looking at their record yeah. now. They have lost, like, two out of the last four. Yeah. They lost to Cal, and they lost to some other Oregon State. I don't, I don't think they've been ranked all year, which is weird, because they've always they've been right up there. So Yeah. Um, I think they probably will eventually. It doesn't really matter rankings, because yeah. unless the wheels fall off, they're going to be in the tournament. Tournament team, and, yeah. And we'll see what they can do there. But, yeah, so shout out to those teams. I Also, I want to shout out LSU. They're so fun to watch. LSU, like, I, gotta, I mean, they're, I they're like, my favorite team, but, like, just – like watching them is is m- most enjoyable out of any teams I think. Mm-hmm. Just Skyler Mays is awesome. They just have an incredible amount of athleticism and play with a lot of energy. And they they're they're like they were last year. Maybe not as high of a ceiling, but they're pretty damn close to where they were last year. Yeah, I gotta I gotta watch one of their games. Yeah, I mean they I think they play Auburn this weekend maybe. Okay. So that's a that'll, that, be, a that'll be a big one. one. I think it's at Auburn also. Okay. Uh, so going on to the bad surprises, Memphis. Yeah, they doesn't look like they're gonna make the tournament, which I'm. Mm-hmm. Bummed because I would have that would have been an easy one to pick against <laughs> if if I was uh, and when I'm filling out my bracket North yeah. Carolina again we'll see with Cole Anthony but not looking so hot nope. uh, Washington uh, not Another not looking surprise. very good Ohio State we'll see they could still squeak into the tournament looks like they they're actually kind of coming coming along right now but they 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 really fell off mm-hmm. Utah State as well they had a chance to get a big win at San Diego State the other night could not get it done. And then Florida, and yeah, we'll leave that one where it is. <laughs> the Kerry Blackshear transfer. 
Hey man, I I still I still defend that that preseason pick. That was a. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was bold. I'll give the, you that. I, I, yeah, I think he, at some point we'll go through and talk about all of our preseason yeah, it, it, predictions. It, and it really has been impossible to predict <laughs> who's going to be good and who's going to not. Yeah. You know, Memphis. I predicted Memphis. So I'm in the yeah. same boat as you. The wheels just fell off. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I I think one of them. My Florida pick was Terry Blackshirt to win National Player of the Year, which is. Uh, <laughs> That was an all-time whiff. <laughs> That's well, not, I mean, he's actually not been bad, but that Florida team is just atrocious. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah, we're uh, we're now going to bring on our guest, uh, Luca Kuchan from the Daily Dub. He's covering women's tennis. Okay. So we will uh, bring him on in a second, and then we'll, we'll be back after to kind of wrap things up and put a bow on this episode. Hey, guys. I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus. So head over to uwpodcast.com and listen to Red Square. All right, guys, today we are joined by Luca Kuchan. He is the beat reporter covering women's tennis here at The Daily. And so what's going on, Luca? Uh, not much. Just chilling. Not much. So yeah, the women's tennis season just got kicked off a few weeks ago. Is that correct? Yeah, they just started recently. They've had a couple matches. They've had a pretty busy schedule to start the season. So now they're actually on a two-week break before their next match. Oh, that's but, nice. How, how's the team looking so far? Any any good wins? Uh, yeah, the team actually had. Unfortunately, they lost against um, uh, Princeton in the ITA kickoff uh, weekend tournament, which would have qualified them for indoor championships but they managed to beat Kentucky in the same tournament as a consolation win. So that was a pretty strong victory. But other than that, they've been hanging around the lower parts of the rankings. So they've been around, like, 23rd right now, I think. Yes, that's pretty good. I mean, better than I mean, a lot of UW teams right now, like women's, men, or women's and men's basketball right now. But staying in that top 25, uh, looks like both the tennis teams and the gymnastics teams are doing pretty good for the UW. Is there any players on the on the women's dance team that we should kind of keep an eye on that that you kind of have pegged as someone that's going to be a maybe a breakout or more of a more of a contributing star for this team uh yeah in terms of breakout stars i'm not really sure quite yet uh but definitely at like the top two courts vanessa wong and natsuho arakawa have they've been undefeated in singles this season and they've yet to lose in doubles too although a lot of their matches have gone unfinished in doubles what do you mean by unfinished uh, like the the match basically the doubles points are already decided so usually it may oh, ta- okay. it may take them a little bit longer to play out their set so they just don't get to finish even if they're winning the set like the other two matches have already been yeah decided because I, I covered women's tennis last year so yeah. I can I can kind of yeah, attest yeah. to that but it's just jump that, in. yeah they do two <laughs> out of three matches and whoever wins the best out of those two out of three yeah, okay. gets the doubles point That's it's kind of an interesting format mm-hmm. it's hard to get used to. I know it was kind of weird writing about it at first because it, I kind of had to figure out what the formatting was like and kind of how it all worked. Uh, yeah, definitely, because I've watched tennis before, but mostly, like, professional tennis Yeah. Um, and just, like, singles, Grand Slam tournaments and whatever. So this was a little bit different because the scoring is different, and it's more of, like, a team-oriented sport rather definitely. than individual, what you normally may think of tennis. And did you play tennis at all in, like, high school or before or anything like that? 
Um, I have very minimal tennis experience, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I did a summer camp once, yeah. so there's that. That's but. fine. I covered women's soccer for two years, and I like never played soccer. So yeah. I, except for like when I was six years old, so <laughs> it didn't didn't last me very very long on that one. So what you started the daily, you were just this is your first quarter actually being hired on as a reporter, yeah. correct? What what made you kind of join the the daily, especially the sports section? Uh, so I actually went on a study abroad program with Andy. Oh, last, really? <laughs> um, last summer and he recommended it and because I'm super interested in sports I just thought it was a good opportunity to like engage with some sort of sports like oriented extracurricular yeah, yeah I'm, I haven't always been like a big writer but uh, I mean that's something I, that you can yeah. learn you know yeah. Yeah. writing really yeah. is a skill that can be learned it's not necessarily comes naturally it does yeah. to some people but what is your dream sport? If you had to cover one sport here, what would that be? Uh, maybe men's basketball, just because of the size of like the media coverage. It's like very popular, and I like basketball a lot. But my favorite sport is soccer, so men's soccer would definitely be one of the goals of mine to cover because I know a lot about it. And they had a really good season last year too. Yeah, absolutely. I was following along a little bit, so I know a bit about the team, and I think like knowing a lot about a sport can make it really easy to write because the writing kind of comes as a second piece to definitely yeah I can definitely attest to that because I went from like I said writing women's soccer I didn't really know anything about soccer and this quarter I'm doing women's basketball which I played basketball pretty much my whole life and it's like so much easier just to, and I also watch basketball like being able to understand like defensive schemes and like offensive sets and stuff like that and mm -hmm. soccer I'm just kind of lost yeah. like, oh, a lot of the language <laughs> if you know the yeah. sport the language comes easier too. yeah so and the, you the words just up. flow you, yeah, you pick it up yeah. the more you cover a sport but yeah so you also said you like basketball um mm -hmm. we're obviously big basketball guys do you have a do you like NBA college or uh, what, do you have a preference yeah, I watch a lot of NBA games. I'm a Celtics fan. Oh, so really? Nice, I, nice. Yeah, I'm from, Red Sox, too. Yeah, I'm from Boston, so all the good teams. There you go. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I watch a lot of college basketball, too. I like to watch UW play. Yeah, um, maybe not this season as much. Yeah, but. this season's been a little <laughs> bit disappointing. Um, but the rest of the teams in college, like, I prefer to watch the NBA just because it's a higher level. But yeah. mm -hmm. college definitely gets really exciting as the season progresses. Yeah, yeah, we're getting close to that that point where people are going to start paying attention. Now that yeah. football is kind of over now with mm -hmm. the LSU winning and now the Chiefs last night. But And then you now it's all NBA and college basketball. So that's, that's exciting. People are going to start kind of tuning in maybe to trying to figure out their March Madness brackets and whatnot. When, yeah, when hopefully they getting, tune in here. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? Or else. Do you, uh, so you like the Celtics? Yes. What do you have any? They're actually having a pretty good year this year. They're absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, after losing Kyrie, who wasn't it doesn't sound like there's any love lost between the Celtics and Kyrie getting Kemba now. What, what are your thoughts on this this team for uh, their chances in the in the playoffs? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I think Kemba is a better fit than Kyrie. I mean, I'm not one of those people that really hates Kyrie for yeah. but, you know he's still a good player. I like him, but uh, yeah, Kemba Walker is definitely a great fit for the Celtics this year. Uh, especially because he just lifts the team chemistry up. And, yeah, with the young players developing, you kind of need a guy like that who's going to be unselfish and able to give up maybe his scoring to support players like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Uh, so this year in the playoffs, I don't know, I think the Celtics can go pretty far. I think finals may be a stretch just because the Bucks yeah. are really strong. East is tough this year. Yeah, I think the Sixers have, although the Celtics beat them on Saturday, uh, the Sixers have given 
the Celtics a lot of trouble this season, mm-hmm. especially inside with the bigs. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I think the Celtics have a really high ceiling. Like, I've seen them perform really well in certain games this season. They've played really well against the Lakers. They had a big comeback win against the Bucks. You know, they beat the Sixers. Yeah. No. They've beat a bunch of They're kind good of rolling. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah, I mean, I've seen they're kind of been kind of been in that hunt for the top of the of the east so mm-hmm. we'll see i mean it should be exciting the east has a lot of good teams and toronto is still still relevant even after losing Kawhi. siakam's kind of taking a step up you mentioned mm-hmm. the sixers the bucks the heat the pacers mm-hmm. old deep just came back there's there's a lot more it seems like the east for the first time in a long time might even be better than the west which is kind of yeah. kind of crazy but well, i mean we'll see when it comes down to it but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's exciting for sure i I will say the Celtics have a lot of young guys from college basketball last year that I really like. They had a lot of draft picks. Uh, mm-hmm. And any of these guys kind of been panning out well between Langford, Grant Williams, or even Carson Edwards. Any of those guys kind of breaking through in their rookie years? Yeah, I think Grant Williams is probably the biggest out of those guys. He's gotten the most minutes. He definitely is a strong defensive presence for the Celtics. Uh, his three-point shooting needs a little bit of work. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Langford, even though he's the highest draft pick, uh, he's not gotten as many minutes, but he definitely looks like one for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carson Edwards, he's definitely a scorer, and I think most of his time this year will probably be developing with the G League yeah. uh, team in Maine. Yeah, Carson Carson Edwards was awesome last year. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. him at Purdue, but my God, like him in the tournament was just insane. Grant Williams is also a guy that I really liked uh yeah, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Him and Schofield are really fun together. So hopefully those guys, uh, those guys pan out in the NBA. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for them. Mm-hmm. And so third thing, which I'm not sure how much you know about uh, Luca Garza in Iowa, but so I want to ask you if since you're a Luca, <laughs> do you have a power rankings of uh, Luca Doncic versus Luca Garza versus yourself? Is there uh, where where do you stack up on that list? Do you do you have any any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. I'm probably near the bottom of that <laughs> list, but. Um, yeah, I well the other Luka I know is Luka Modric. He's a Croatian oh, yeah, soccer yeah. player, so I'd put him at the top because I'm from Croatia. So oh really? Okay, <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, then Doncic is also really good. Yeah, and yeah. Unfortunately, he's injured now, but yeah, that's a bummer. He's been playing really well. Yeah. And then the other guy, I, I don't know actually. So yeah, Luka Garza. He's um he's a big man for Iowa. He's actually okay. Um, he's playing pretty well this year. You'll probably hear about him more once once, once March he, rolls yeah. around. Yeah, he's uh, he, the, that's team that will be in the tournament. He's their best player. So he's mm-hmm. been he's been coming along. So I don't know. A little I, bit did, of I didn't know him until last week. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's my boy. But yeah, anything else, Caden? Nah. What you got? Cool. I just wanted to ask before you go. Um, we are the college basketball podcast here. So, do you have a, do you have a pick for who's gonna be cutting down the nets this year? Uh, come March Madness. Um, it's a tough question it, right it, now. It can really be anybody. Yeah, maybe just a favorite team that you have. Uh, I mean, favorite is Washington, but uh, well, I don't think we'll, <laughs> well. I don't think we'll be going that far. Um, I don't know. Right now. I may say Gonzaga. Gonzaga. I think right. that's a good pick. Yeah, we've we've had two people say Gonzaga now. Yeah. We yeah. have They're two Gonzagas one. and one UCLA, so <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see. I, I definitely like Gonzaga more than UCLA and those chances and, and Washington for that matter. But mm-hmm. yeah, Zags just seem to be kinda of rolling right now. But yeah, yeah, you get anything else? Oh, thank All you right. for coming on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank thanks. You. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you 
you coming through and giving us a few minutes of your time. Luca is going to be writing women's tennis for the next few months, right? They're, they get started a little bit on their season. Uh, yeah, yeah. They end in mid-April. Mid-April. So, yeah, you could follow his coverage. Sounds like they're a good team. Could be making a deep postseason run. So follow his coverage on the Daily UW. Read his stories. Follow him on Twitter. What's your Twitter, Luca? Uh, it's just Luca underscore Kuchan. There so, you go. Right. You heard it here. There it is. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, and I uh, hope you have a good one. All right, thanks. All right, now we're going to talk just a few other small things that happened this past uh, this past week. I also want to show Iowa big win over Illinois. That was another good Big Ten game on Sunday morning before the Super Bowl. Xavier Tillman in, for Michigan State, they were going up against Wisconsin. This Wisconsin team, team that was shorthanded. Uh, Xavier Tillman actually blew about five or six layups in this game, and Michigan State lost by lost by one to Wisconsin on the road. So had Tillman just made one of those layups that he just completely whiffed, that team would have won, and Michigan State would be looking a lot better right now. So that's a that's a tough one for tough one for them. That was yeah. that was not good. And Michigan State needs somebody besides Cassius Winston to step up. Yeah. You oh, the other, the other thing about that game, Rocket Watts was awesome. Rocket and Watts that, is I, a player. I've given him. I, I gave him a little bit of shit at the beginning He's improved. of the year, but He's my God, taken he was huge steps. I'm, I'm all in on him. That he was lights out in that he game. He reminds especially. me a little bit of Duke's Cassius Stanley, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess um, maybe not quite the the ceiling athleticism, yeah. but I mean him. Yeah, him off the dribble, like just pulling up, mm-hmm. and he was like, especially for his size, that was really good. Yeah, Xavier Tillman. I mean, you got to be better. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, Xavier. Make your layoffs. All right. And then uh, the other one I had was uh, Seton Hall, and their loss to Xavier. Quincy McKnight goes down with, like, a pretty bad-looking knee injury. Kind of, kind of buckled on him a little bit when he was going down. And hopefully he's all right to get carried off the floor. But that's, like, he's – I'm not going to say he's better than Miles Powell because he's not. But he's almost as important as Powell mm-hmm. is to that team because I, I think people think the gap's a lot bigger between Powell and the rest of the team. But – McKnight's been really good all year. Yeah. He's like their secondary playmaker, and he's probably their best perimeter defender as is there, well. Is there any news about the injury? I haven't actually seen? looked recently. It just, I mean, it was less than 48 hours ago. I'm not yeah. sure we know too much, but, I mean, hopefully he doesn't. That That's going to really hurt Seton Hall. Yeah, and I, I think before he was healthy, mm-hmm. I mean, before he got hurt when he was healthy, I was thinking this was potentially a Final Four team yeah. and potentially a team to win it all mm-hmm. because of their defense and having a guy like Miles Powell, you're going to have a chance and. Losing him is a really big blow yeah. for them. Like because they, they team, need all the help they can get. And teams in the past, we see this with Washington. If you have a star player, he's going to get double teamed. So you yep. need somebody to kick it out to and score. And without McKnight, Seton Hall doesn't really have that guy yeah. anymore. Yeah, they have a nice like kind of like complimentary pieces. But McKnight was definitely the number two on that team. That's that's a big blow if he he's not going to be back anytime soon. Uh, you have anything else? Uh, get into games to watch. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so some game to watch tonight. We kind of talked on about a little bit. The only really big one is. UNC going into Tallahassee, which probably is only a big game for North Carolina fans, but we'll uh, we'll see. That game's at 4 p.m. tonight, so look for that one. At this point, it's really just Cole Anthony fans. Yeah, like, he is the team. Like that's why I'm watching. Yeah, if he wasn't on the court, I couldn't care less. Also, We're how, two how, and seven in conference. Like how about Garrison Brooks going like 0 for seven of the line of that game? Oh, just killer. <laughs> That's just something you cannot have. He's actually been really good for us. Though. Yeah, yeah, he has been. So. In Cole Anthony's ab- absence, he's been dropping like 30 points yeah. randomly. Shout out Garrison, bro. Shout out Garrison. <laughs> All right, on Tuesday, Ohio State at Michigan, the game, if uh, not, if it was football, but it's not football, so it's less exciting. This one's at, well, actually, maybe it's more exciting because Ohio State always rolls in football, but that one's at four. Look for that. Ohio State's kind of been coming along a little bit now. 
Um, I still don't trust them completely, but they they picked up a nice a couple couple nice wins. Penn State at Michigan State. Mm. That's a good one. Those yeah. are two ranked teams going at it. Penn State really looking for like a quality quality win. If they go into Michigan State and win, that's a huge win for them. They're they're looking a lot better for their seeding. I I don't think they're gonna win because Michigan State, while they've had their struggles when they've been at home, other than than the Duke game, they've been awesome. So mm-hmm. that game's at five. Look for that one as well. Wednesday, Villanova at Butler at three thirty. That should be another good one. Really good Big East matchup. Villanova going into a place that's really tough to play. I think Seton Hall's the only team that's won at Butler this year. So that, that should be a good one. It's kind of an earlier game, 3.30. Look for that. And then Iowa at Purdue. This is a good Big Big Ten matchup. Purdue's literally looking for big wins, and they're always really good at home, like every Big Ten team, as it seems. Mm-hmm. But Luka Garza going up against Matt Harms and Travion Williams should be, a, should be a pretty fun matchup. And it's about time of the year where teams start to separate from exactly. the pack a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see over these next maybe one, two, three weeks what teams separate and what teams go down because we are at kind of a transition phase yeah. right now in the season where good teams get better and bad teams get worse. So we'll yeah. see. I'm especially looking forward to that in the Big Ten yeah. because there are so many teams that are so close. And, I'm yeah, there's a lot. I think they're – like right now they're saying there could be 12 teams in the Big Ten that make it. I think it, it, the reality is there's probably going to be 10, mm-hmm. um, which is still a lot, but yeah. there's probably going to be a couple teams that kind of fall off the wayside a little bit. So this, these will be a couple really big weeks for them. Definitely. Do you have anything else? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, This has been the Box Seat Podcast. I'm Caden Condry. I'm Josh Eddy. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, We will be back on Friday to talk about all these big games that we just mentioned. If you guys do have any questions for us, comments, concerns, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at the Box Seat Podcast. And we will be back on Friday. Thank you.